Morning Show, continuing along, just like the 151st Open Championship trucks along at Royal Liverpool. Brian Harmon continuing to run away with it. Four under on the day, eight under for the tournament. Other leaders or uh, guys high on the leaderboard out there now. Emiliano Grillo is uh, four under, one over on the day, five under for the first round of the tourney. And uh, Min Woo Lee having a hot morning himself. He is three under on the day. That's got him to three under for the tournament. He's got a couple holes left to play. Very, very happy to welcome in our first guest of the day. And this insider is brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Rex Hoggard, writer and analyst for Golf Channel. Rex, thanks so much for jumping on. How are you doing today? Of course, it's a well. It's a day in England. I'll just leave it at that. It's not a summer day. It's just a day. <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's get the weather report. It looks a little blustery from my screens, but, but I have been uh, but I've been watching on mute because I've been talking words all morning long. What's it like o- over there, weather wise? Uh, it's it's much different than yesterday. I think yesterday was a, a perfect English summer day. Uh, it's what we expected. I mean, I think if you look at the forecast, it kind of. It's going to get progressively worse as we get further into the weekend as far as the wind. I think there is going to be a little bit more rain as we get closer into the weekend. And I think that's what they expected. When you look at the golf course and the way they set it up, I think it's going to be a really good test. But I think yesterday was the day to score, and then the next three days we'll just kind of have to hang on. Yeah, and that's that's pretty that's pretty kind of classic Open Championship, right? It doesn't always come on the first day of the tournament, but you usually get one or two days where you can make a, a bit of a move. Obviously, uh, a few guys taking advantage of that, namely uh, Brian Harmon today. But I think the uh, the sexy name at the top of the leaderboard for most people is Tommy Fleetwood. I mean, he's had a bunch of close calls. He was in the playoff with Nick Taylor uh, just a few weeks ago, or I guess about a month ago now at the RBC Canadian Open. Obviously, still searching for his first PGA Tour win, and obviously this would be a a little more than that. Uh, what did you see from Fleetwood yesterday uh, to get off to the hot start? It's so much fun to watch Tommy play in this, and I've done it for a couple of years now, and go back to 14 when it was here at Rural Liverpool. And I remember talking to him then. That was his first Open Championship, and he grew up 20 minutes from here, 20 minutes north from here, essentially kind of up more towards Burkdale. And the emotions and the support he gets, it, it's really cool to watch. And uh, it's kind of hard to quantify exactly what this would mean to him. I mean, guys have their favorite tournaments. I mean, if you grew up in the South, you probably want to win the Masters. If you grew up anywhere else in the world, you want to win this. But for Tommy, it's particularly close. And watching him play yesterday, I think it was huge. Because if you look at what he's done this season, he hasn't particularly gotten off to good start. So not only to get off to a good start, but to do it in this tournament with all of those emotions and all of those nerves and all that anxiety, I think it's a really good sign. So... Have you uh, got a sense from the players and people, other media members that you're talking to about the about the course through the first, you know, couple days of the tournament here? I know we're early on the second day, but I, I got to tell you, watching the 18th hole on TV here, and I'm sitting in Canada, it's different, I guess, when you're there, but that out-of-bounds thing to me is very, very weird and kind of hokey, to be honest. I, I Ricky yesterday... I thought got just absolutely roasted by it. Like the two shots that he hit weren't that bad. They're sitting there. You can see them and you can't play them. Like I'm sure the players aren't loving that aspect of it. It's different. It's weird. Normally players tend to complain about anything if you give them something oh, to yeah. complain about. <laughs> but but I will say in this particular case, and this isn't the only open championship road, of course, that has internal out of bounds. 
it certainly comes into play. I mean, I know 18 is probably going to get everyone's attention. I, I would say the third hole, which is actually the first hole that they've kind of rerouted it for the championship, is even more jarring because all you really see from the tee is that out of bounds on the right-hand side. I mean, there's nowhere else to go but left. And you can kind of make the same argument on 18. Now, they sort of switched the tee. They put it 50 yards back and kind of to the right to bring the out of bounds in play. But I, I get what you're saying, but I think probably Brooks Koepka said it best earlier this week. Uh, the idea being that you know what you have to do and what you don't have to do. And sometimes taking a 60-footer for a two-putt par is the absolute best you can do. And in a lot of cases, Ricky being the primary example yesterday, Adam Scott hit it out of bounds. I mean, that, that whole 18 took a toll. But you know what you have to do. You just need to execute the shot. Probably the bigger deal today is they kind of made some adjustments to how they set the golf course up and the bunkers specifically. Because yesterday, I think that's probably the bigger deal than the internal out-of-bounds. The bunkers were just brutal yesterday. Yeah, there was the one clip of, I think it was Finau, basically like popping a putter out from the wall of a bunker so then he could chip out still backwards. It was, uh, yeah, I can see why the players were, were getting frustrated there. But, I mean, to your point, it's the same course for everybody. And if they're going to make some adjustments, I have no problem with it. But that's kind of the beauty of the game. And then, you know, the other thing about 18 and the OB is I, I kind of tend to side a little more with what, what, what Kepka said there, the idea that how many weeks do we complain about guys getting a free drop from a tent or a hospitality area or a scoreboard that's, been there all week long, so I, I kind of like the the other uh, side of this. Uh, obviously, coming into the into the tournament, one of the bigger storylines, or uh, let's not uh, lie about it, the biggest storyline was Rory McIlroy had a pretty standard round. It was a little wild yesterday, but he kept it on the rails for him. Uh, he's got it to, I believe, one under now the, this morning. Uh, is it for Rory just a case of making sure he's around heading into the weekend to give him a chance, or do you think he needs to make a bit of noise this morning? No, I think that even par round was huge, and he knew it, and you could see it with his emotions. He made about a 10-footer on 18 just for par, and it's not often that you see a world-class player of that caliber sort of fist-pumping a par on 18 on Thursday afternoon, and I think he knows exactly what he needs to do, and it's taken him a while to get here, that you don't have to do anything special, that you can certainly you know, have a bad opening round and pretty much do away with your chances, but if you just keep it around even par, particularly at this championship with the conditions that we talked about, I mean, if you just make incremental gains every day and he continues at this trajectory, I would actually be surprised if he's not in and about the league come Sunday afternoon. Have you seen Christo Lamprecht swing in person? Because I'm seeing these videos of it and it looks violent and long. Have you seen his <laughs> person? Have you seen him swing in person? It is violent and long. It's kind of jarring. I think my colleague Ryan Lavner said it best on our podcast last night. He swings like an accordion. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, yeah, it was amazing to me, and, and Brandon Chambly on the live from Golf Channel did a great breakdown of his swing. And you, you wouldn't teach that, but then again, you're probably not going to teach too many six foot eight people how to swing the golf club. And I might kind teach of them how to shoot a jump shot. Yeah. Said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing to watch. I, I don't pretend to be a swing expert, but I can look at that and be like, oh, that's that's hard to repeat, man. Like, he, there's a lot of moving parts. It was fun to watch yesterday. I'm really curious to see how he handles the conditions today. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's always the case with any amateur. Obviously, conditions at this this major uh, come into play often more so than, than just about any other. But anytime you're an amateur and you find yourself in this position, you know, it's, it's always interesting to see because, you know, as much as we think, uh, you know, likely he's going to fade away, we've seen a lot of guys kind of been able to keep themselves in this position for, for a couple of days. And just looking at the way scores are today, if he's able to go out there and shoot something around even par, he's, he's going to be uh, in the mix. Uh, one other guy I wanted to ask you about is Wyndham Clark. Uh, I, I'll put my hand up floored to see him have the round he did. You know, uh, obviously we know what he did at the U.S. Open. We know how impressive it was. Uh, but this is a very, very different test than uh, than everything that was going on in L.A. Are you at all surprised to see Wyndham Clark get off to the start he did with yesterday's three under? We, they make us do this thing on GolfChannel.com where you pick your favorite and then you pick the, the person that's going to come Sounds close. Sounds like you and love it, Rex. Biggest, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, and one of it, well, yeah, because I'm trying to predict here and it never turns out well. And it never ages well because this is a primary example. One of them is biggest disappointment. And if you look at Wyndham's record in this particular championship, it is awful. And it's because probably he just doesn't have much experience coming over here and playing this style of golf. It takes a minute to learn how to do this. And uh, I I, uh, had to take that one poorly. Again, another one of these that age poorly, which I'm used to at this point. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's impossible to pick these things. Like, I mean, did you have Brian Harmon leading the Open on on Friday? Like, it's it's so hard to pick this stuff. So, I did you uh, happen to hear what John Rom said post round yesterday about the about uh, about, yeah. about Rory and about the pace and about him, you know, not getting basically no one was paying attention to him and the amount of people that he had to follow. Did you see that? Uh, I did. Yeah, what, and what'd you, what'd you make uh, I mean it. it, it uh, it's interesting. It's not the first time he has complained about camera folks and people inside the ropes, and it can get hectic, certainly, when you're with Rory. And as you pointed out, Rory is the story this week. I'm sure that it did bug him, and he's trying to win a championship here. And I'm sure that got to factor in his finish, too. He didn't finish very well, so John has a tendency to run a little hot on the golf course. We know that. All that being said, I don't think anybody on the golf course is trying to do anything to hurt John's round. I mean, I think that's the part that gets lost in the sometimes. Sometimes in the confusion, there's a lot of people inside the ropes. Things are going to happen, but I can see why he's aggravated. Yeah, I mean he uh, he gets aggravated at the best of times, uh, so you you can you can see why, especially the way his his round went yesterday. But I maintain that's always been one of the harder parts of being a guy. And I understand what he's what Rom is saying that he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt Rory does because the people are watching Rory, they're not watching him. But you know we're gonna have Rocco mediate on the show uh, a little later on today, and who would know better than him the idea of what it's like playing in that hurricane of Tiger Woods, and that's what it means to be an elite golfer, and it's just part of the challenges. And you know I'm not telling you anything you do, you don't know but when I hear these comments and it's not just from Rom it's from anybody else you know I think back to kind of Bryson at the peak of his powers that was maybe the hardest thing for him not the golf was dealing with all the noise surrounding him don't you think that is just part of being not just a star player but a truly elite or transcendent one in the game I was at the 2008 U.S. Open so ask Rocco firsthand what that Monday was like <laughs> I mean and look, when it came to Tiger Woods in his prime, and I've done this story a couple of times now, and maybe he did it on purpose, maybe he didn't, but Tiger did some some things where he would want to put out first because he knew as soon as he puts out that the crowd was going to start moving to the next hole. And if it gave him a little bit of an advantage, then so be it. I mean, Tiger had, Woods had to deal with it every single round, so I don't know why he wouldn't take advantage of it whenever he can. Compared to that, whatever it is John or anyone else deals with right now, it's, it's very, very small by comparison. 
Yeah, it uh, it certainly is, uh, man. Just the uh, the tiger breaks. Uh, they were they were plentiful. I'm just picturing now. I don't know why this is popping into my head, but everybody moving the boulder for him in uh, Arizona. I don't know how many guys got the benefit <laughs> oh, of the doubt uh, from <laughs> from from that in the gallery. That. Yeah, it really was good. Uh, the the one last one I wanted to ask you about is uh, nobody near the top of the leaderboard. Uh, it's a guy who is uh, trundling down there even more this morning. Justin Thomas, 11 over yesterday, one over today, now 12 over for the tournament. Uh, this is a guy who felt felt like a lock to be a Ryder Cupper coming into the year. Is that still the case? He has really been scuffling with his game. I know part of it is personalities, and he certainly feels like he's part of that team. But do you think his spot for uh, that tournament is in peril at all, Rex? I think it's amazing that conversation is just buzzing around the media center, which is weird at the Open Championship that we're talking about. <laughs> a specific player may or may not be going to Rome this year. It is interesting. I, I wish I use words more than I use pictures sometimes, but I could not have written what it looked like watching JT walk off the golf course yesterday. I mean, I've seen some sad players, and I've seen some players who were dealing with some things, but th- this one's hitting him hard, and I think it has a lot to do. And again, I'll go back to my colleague, Ryan Labder, who covered him in college, covered him in junior golf. This is someone that's never dealt with adversity before. And I'm not saying that JT's not going to figure it out. I think he's very talented, and I think eventually he does. But you can see in his eyes and his body language and the way he carries himself, this is tough. And it's going to take a lot to sort of battle your way out of it. The good news for JT, if he needs a paradigm of hope, he lives right next to him in Jupiter. Look at what Ricky Fowler went through and how he was able to fight his way out of it. But, man, that was hard watching him come off that course. And, no. I don't think right now he's going to be able to make that team. Yeah, that's uh, that is uh, it's it's crazy to think about, but it's it's probably not wrong at all. And uh, yes, I'm sorry for asking you about that, but I'd be lying if I wasn't thinking about it. Rex, we uh, we love getting you on. Thanks, thanks so buddy. much. I love to have a man on the ground. So thanks for uh, playing the part for us this morning. You guys enjoy the open. See ya. See there we go. Uh, there he is, Rex Hoggard. That insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. I was going to say... Sam, wh- man, wasn't quick enough on the sticks in there. Probably, probably playing some games or something. What's he doing back there? He's on a wrestling form. <laughs> it's like, leave Seth Rollins alone. Is that a guy? I think so. Is that a guy? He's just uh, half asleep. Okay. Guess what? Yeah. Join the club, pal. <laughs> um, and McKee will not have it. No, Only I, one I, guy can I, be asleep no, on I, the wheel here. I will have it. I, I am here for it. 100%. Okay, not me. I, I am a slave driver. How dare you say it, man? So, uh, Shane Ryan. Yes. Who we were supposed to have on yesterday, which, you know. Authorities got him. I choose to think He's that, still tweeting. So I, he's alive. No, I choose to think one of those guys. I know it's totally different part of the country. But the one of those guys from Buckingham Palace with like the big hats, yeah, just just walked over there and he actually put him in the hat. So that's why they're so big, so they can act as a temporary jail cell for Shane Ryan. I'm sure Hovland is going to take a lot of heat, yeah, for his outfit today. Yeah, it is hot fire. So it is I so good. I think that it looks great on him. I've amended this. I told I you in the that. break I did I not like it. I'd rock that whole outfit. I'd mm. pull it off. I don't think you'd pull it off. I believe wow. you'd rock it. You gotta be. You gotta be a strapping hunk. Like I was playing with. <laughs> and uh, what am I? You're you're Gumby. <laughs> oh come on. Come on, uh, buddy. No, I don't know. Don't, don't. I'm Gumby with a pot belly. Don't so put, don't take this. Don't, as, put, don't take this as shots. Don't put you here. on me. I'm strapping. You're not. Yeah, I'm no, I played. Yeah. I played with a buddy of mine people yesterday. Always, people always tell me how broad my shoulders are. How strapping. Yeah, but you're not. Like you're not a thick boy. You got to have a little heft to you to pull that off. And I don't mean like you just need to be more solid. And no. uh, buddy, I hate like, do we need to pull up the, the picture you posted on, on Twitter and Instagram this year and everyone started getting after you for your, for your stick legs. I don't really don't remember that. 
When you uh, put no. up the picture? No for, idea. Oh, okay. No remember. Okay. Because um, you do remember. But Shane Ryan <laughs> sent out a tweet earlier today about, uh, he said, I hate to say this, but if you were writing a script for how the U.S. absolutely limps into the Ryder Cup while the Euros <laughs> peak, we're not far off. Everything has to go right to win on the road, and this is not everything going right. No. The fact that JT is losing his mojo alone is quiet, is quietly devastating. So there you go. Yeah. He's right. Scheffler scuffling with the putter. JT, who was one of their aces, lost in the sauce. Mm-hmm. This is setting up. Here look, are, at, look at the top of the leaderboard. There's Tom Brian Harmon. Yeah, I know, but he's not going to be there. Ah, yeah. win a couple. Yeah. Yeah, no, he won't be there. No. But I guess that there's not a lot of euros on the top of the leaderboard either. So no, that's the thing. You're like Min Mule- Oh, President's Cup. Yeah. Ah, oh, the amateur President's Cup. Yeah. <laughs> Miliano Grillo. That's President's actually a lot Cup. of President's Cup guys there. Yeah. Rosner is French. I'm not going to pretend and to know what's going on there. Rory pours in a par. Of course he does. Yeah. There's their man. There he is. Rory and Rombo. That's uh, it. A lot, of, a lot else there. Uh, quickly, the auto qualifiers right now for the U.S. Mm-hmm. Scheffler, Clark, Kepka, Shoffley, Cantlay. Homa. Those are the auto qualifiers there. So Keegan Bradley, Jordan Spieth, Morikawa, Cam Young, Sam Burns, Ricky Fowler, and then you get to Justin Thomas on the points list. Wow. Yeah. It's been uh, quite the fall from grace for for him. And again, I I maintain that whoever it was who sent out the picture of uh, JT's Ryder Cup fit this year, and it was him doing play-by-play at the match. That's uh, very good. It's mean, but it's good. Here's an interesting question on the text line. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but it piqued my interest. Sure. Brian from Toronto, Kiermaier, Jays don't often extend players in season, but he's a pending free agent, healthy. Given his age, do you offer him a deal now? Three years, $36 million range? I don't know about baseball contracts and mid-tier guys. Like, I just know that the the top guys get paid a kajillion dollars, and I don't really know what other contracts look like. <laughs> but I would like to have Kevin Kiermaier here for longer than the rest of this year. Hmm. 30- maybe not, maybe not, maybe not. Three years, yeah. But if he'd take two, if he'd take two after this one, I would happily do it. I think he, you know, he's gonna probably deal with some injuries. Mm-hmm. He's probably not gonna be playing 162 for you, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I love his contributions. I love his. I mean, this is the most predictable thing ever. That yeah, me guy as a forever. no, 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 me as a Toronto sports fan loves Kevin Kiermaier. Yeah. Oh, like the hustle, hunky dude. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, shocker that mm-hmm. we like him, but like he is. Like, he's a heart guy. He is, you know, pure hustle, makes great reads. Yep. Other than him throwing to third base yesterday to let both runners advance. Not which always was, perfect. Well, that was a very rare uh, brain fart from him. because he did, Well, he thought he could get him at third. Well, he was he was feeling, like, heroic, and he thought he could get him at third, and he didn't. But um, I'm not I've, out there for your arm. I've, well, he's got, he's, got a, he's got a good arm. It's good. Yeah. You, you're, just, you're down on Kevin Kiermaier, right? Eh? He's going to be 34 starting next year. Oh you want to give him a you want to give him a one or two year deal, I suppose. But you also have to think, and I know there's no cap, and they shouldn't think about it this way. But they do that a three year deal takes you into a three year deal that kicks in next year takes you past Bobachet, where you have to pay him more, you have to play Vaddy. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying you can't do those things. It's just do you want to prioritize a guy who would then be well, 37? You need, you need baseball players on your baseball team into when they're 37 years old. Sure. Yeah, I mean he's not like he's not. 
38 now. Uh, guys fall off a cliff so quickly in all games, but this one, this one as well. I just, I think that that is playing I'm with fire. with two years. Okay. After I, this one. It, you could, you could give him two years. I'm not getting worked up about it. Obviously I'd love to just like go year to year or yeah. something, but if he proves himself, there's going to be somebody who's not going to do that with him. So you got to pay a little more uh, three, three to me feels like just a classic. They're dying to get that money off their books. Or we talk about it as this, this, hanging thing over their head for the last year that it just feels that's the way that would go for me if you're going to be looking at goes 37 in the last year of that deal especially somebody who's predicated on their athleticism yep and i think he i think he's a good bit player i think it, that, yes I, that's it, the other part of it is that as he ages this is not going to be somebody who you can't take out of the lineup or is going to solve I mean, he's still, if he's not I mean, playing center field every he, day how many games has he played this year like i feel like he's been kind of a part-time guy this year yeah, part of that was that bug going around. Part of that was injuries. Uh, and then, you know, part of that is, yeah, got to get Cavan more ABs. Got to find a way to sneak him in. Um, he has played in 80 games so far this year. Okay. And how many games has the Jays played this year? More than that. Yeah. No. So <laughs> he, uh, he's been kind of a part-time player. You're right. He was hurt for a little bit. He had that bug that was going around. So, yeah. Okay. Anything uh, else on that? The word hunk gets used so much lately, and I'm for it. Love the show, hunks. Ha, 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 Tiff and Kitchener. Could have done without the laughing emojis. Uh, is that? I think that's just that she's so happy because we're such big strapping hunks. Me no, I think, that's, I think that's like one guy literally just described himself as Gumby with a pot belly, so I don't think that guy gets to be a hunk at the very least. That's me, just so we're clear there. Gumby with a pot belly. You like that? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. like it. No, no, it's true. <laughs> I don't have to like it though. All right. You good on that? Yeah, sure. All right. It's now time for something to chew on brought to you by great, great Canadian, Canadian meats. meats. Mm, yum, 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 yum. In stereo oh. there. Yeah. The, come on. People are, people have been, yum, put, yum, yum. thank you. People thank have God. been put through enough here. They got to listen to McKee grouse and me talk about my pot belly for the, the entirety of the morning show so far. I put two topics here. Would you Messy like, debut. okay. Uh, Big deal. Yay or nay. Oh my God. Massive deal. Yeah, okay. This is the potentially the greatest soccer player of all time playing his debut in America. Sure. It's huge. It's great. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Everybody yeah, talks yeah, about... Nice zag. Nice zag. Well, what? Nice, oh, sick, nice, sick zag. Nice yeah. zag. Okay. Yeah, sick zag. How many times have we done this? Okay, I realize, I realize Thierry Henry was not messy. I realize David Beckham was not messy. Yeah, yeah. I know yeah, for... Great zag. I know for sure it. Jermaine Defoe was not messy. It. Guy's going to play. It's going to be a big deal to the people who care about it. It's going to raise MLS's stature in the world for sure. Yep. But All it big is a, deals. It is a guy on a retirement tour for a team who I'm, I am going to be very clear not an expert on this but from my understanding last place right now. absolutely stinks and is putrid well they're building they're building yeah how old is he i don't know 35 okay like you might want to you know to the kiermeyer conversation might want to get some stuff built well wow, i personally this, this do not year. care you don't care well, I mean, I don't care about the success of what do they call Miami FC? Uh, yeah, maybe the Miami. Are they Real? Are they Real Miami? No, Inter Miami. Inter Miami. Inter, In Inter Miami FC is a lot of things. That's too much soccer. Pick one. So they're playing. Yeah, they play today. Who do they play? Cruz Azul, which is a League Cup game. So they're playing against a non MLS game. So it's like. Well, that seems. It, it's is interesting. That was that okay tell me if i'm completely off base probably the okay fair good good place to start the mls 
spends a kajillion dollars or not, I don't, I, you can explain to me how this works. I imagine it wasn't super easy for them to convince him to come here. And the first game that he's going to play to like, you know, boost the league and grow the game or whatever, whatever terminologies that I don't actually believe in that you want to use here. Isn't even in MLS. Does that not make, um, should it not be against an you, MLS team? I mean, you of all people, the number one high horse against Saudi money should be all over Messi. Because he turned down yeah, literally good. a billion dollars from literally, I think it was multiple billion dollars from the Saudis to come to the MLS. So you should be there. You go. That's what he deserves. You know, you like yeah. If you if you you should have led the witness better. You should have told. Uh, you should have told me that. I just did. I know, and I applauded him. I literally yeah. did. So it then doesn't you change how big a deal it is. It's such a big deal, and it's I get it for you know people who you know they don't like the international sports. They can no, have no, a nice no. zag. You have a nice no. zag. Like, no, no, oh, it doesn't matter. Here's where I, here, it doesn't matter. But the fact that Lionel Messi is playing his first game in North America is a massive deal. Okay. And if you don't have the answer to this, that's totally fine because Lord knows I don't. Mm-hmm. The MLS is roughly the what biggest league in the world? Like, I don't know. Okay. No idea. Probably the 10th. Okay. Guys, guys playing a game in the 10th biggest league in the world. Yeah, but How it's great. the biggest media market, right? Like it's the biggest thing. Like it's a change. It's... If I, I can't, I'm not going to sit here. You're just going to sit there with your zag face on and be like, it doesn't matter. I'm not, not going to try to I convince am, you. I am not saying it doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm saying, I'm saying if it matters so much, maybe he should have made his debut for, I don't know, an MLS in an MLS game. Is that, is that well, insane the, to ask? Well, they have games on their schedule and this is the game that he's fit to play. He's ready to rock. And there he goes. Yeah, you're right. And a guy's Cruz's never, a guy's never been, been held out. And for this last place team, like you, ha- you have to get him in there. Yeah. He wants to play against Cruz Azul because yeah. he's like, good. It's not this dirty MLS. I'm playing in it's this whatever lord knows what league's going on over there so i that that's the one Cruz i can is a mexican team okay if, that's for one somebody who's wondering that is the one i cannot for the life of me understand i'm not i don't want to i don't want to poo poo this it is a big deal for yeah, people who care about soccer it. but if it's such a big deal for the league i don't know maybe make your debut in said league and uh shout out to our canadian women who tied nigeria last night uh, I saw some people maybe saying they don't deserve shout-outs, actually. Our queen, Christine Sinclair, Mr. I Penalty. know. I know. She went full Alfonso Davies. Yeah, that's tough. Except she's supposed to take it. That yeah, was, but, that, but, that she, was, but she I tried to drag it sometimes now. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to have it because I'm not intelligent enough, too. But I want, just like after Alfonso Davies, I want that conversation. It feels like we all, and again, not me because I don't have it, but all of you. Mm. Kind of skirted that conversation. Like, I didn't. Yeah. It was yeah. ridiculous. Okay. I feel like I wanted that from you in the moment and you were too hurt to we give it to me. We weren't together on the, in the moment. I was texting you. I was wanting it from you. You weren't giving it to me. No, because you don't care about soccer. I, I mean, care about no, Canada. No, I do care about Canada. You're a bandwagoner that jumped yeah, on. Yeah, of course. Care. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, you don't care. That's the thing. And well, I'm like, I'm not going to text do. back to people who don't care. Well, I who, wanted the text. I've, I've heard you yell at me about how much soccer sucks, our whole friendship. So I'm not going to give you that in that biggest moment of my soccer I'm trying. I'm trying to join the club. I know stick Pin. here all right let's go okay i was having fun we were talking about messy but we gotta go okay morosi can wait two minutes it's okay john morosi oh, three three guess what if he would have heard this he'd be giving me messy takes he would he might when we come back through i'm asking for messy and detroit red wings takes okay uh i want one of those one of those i don't hello mo cider john morosi coming up next fan morning show gunning a mckee 
smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Halfway through Fan Morning Show here, Brent Gunning, Sam McKee alongside me, the two of us alongside you, and now joined by another friend, John Morosi, joining us now. John. How you doing? Getting used to talking to you weekly and love catching up with you. Thanks so much for jumping on this morning. Or the static in your phone line jumping on with us. Don't let McKee make the call because he would just talk to the static line. He'd say, ah, give him three minutes. I think I think they might have something to say here. Uh, you would. You hold, would hold, hold. Hold it. Hold it. Hold. You want to yell at me about Leo Messi more? Or no. You're you're good on that. No. Okay. Blue Jays. Back to that. Yeah. Well, we'll we're going to endeavor to connect with John. We'll wait. Okay. We'll we're wait. not just going to sit here. We're not, we're gonna, this isn't like when your teacher leaves and it's like, um, okay, just sit still until I come back. I was looking at the group that Canada was in for the Women's World Cup. Okay. And I think two of the teams won, so they're now in third. I, yeah, I believe they just got a win. They got to win now. No room for error. And but they play uh, the Irish. The girls uh, in green. The next. Is that what they're yeah, called? Yeah, I, I put it on our little dock there. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know. That's okay. We okay. have John Morosi back, so okay. we don't need to. We don't but need it, to. Wait, wait, it'd be nice for them to win one of those games. Yeah. Would, it, or would, both. It, would agree. They uh, could have won last night even. Wouldn't have been perturbed by that. Would not be perturbed by John Morosi joining us now. John, thanks so much for jumping on. How are you doing today? I, I'm doing great. I, I also stayed up late to watch the end of that game, by the way. So uh, I, I, don't, there, uh, I, I didn't. Don't mistake yeah. us talking about it with having seen it. Uh, these are, there's two guys okay. who got up very early this morning. <laughs> it's too late. Uh, so, yeah, we're we're opining <laughs> loosely. If you would like to give us your – no, not actually, because I know you would. I know you would. Uh, but, yeah, we're, okay. uh, we're, we're just mentioning it, uh, and, uh, you know, we would have liked it to have gone a different way. Uh, but other than that, we do not have a ton. Uh, you apparently do. You always have a ton for us on on baseball. Uh, I do want to get your opinion on the Jays, but want to start with the uh, the topic that we're going to talk about until it doesn't become one anymore. Where are we at? The latest twists and turns in Shohei land. Oh, yeah. Last we spoke to you, it seemed like they were trending towards not trading him. Now it seems like it's a possibility. I thought I saw a report of but not to the Dodgers. Where are we at with all this, John? Well, it is the topic in baseball and will remain as such, to your point, until we arrive to August 1st and then probably beyond that, no matter what happens, honestly. He's going to be a huge topic for months and years to come, as he should be. But what I believe right now is that the Angels are are still listening. They're still open-minded to the inquiries that are coming in. They're not ready to trade him yet and they've got a a record right now that is one game above 500 they are within a reasonable distance of a wild card spot and and i suppose one's definition of reasonable is going to be crucial here and and certainly the person whose uh, assessment matters most is going to be that of Artie moreno the angels owner because he ultimately is going to make the call Uh, there'll be recommendations made by the front office I believe they'll continue to workshop ideas as as requests come in, and then they'll have to make an assessment in the final days of the month or on August 1st itself. Where are we? What are we going to do? Uh, Are we in it or are we not? The Yankees are struggling. Uh, The Mariners just lost Jared Kelnick. There, There are... And honestly, their their series coming up against the Jays will be very important because that's a head-to-head matchup against a fellow 
wild card contenders. So uh, I believe that that they are as a front office just working on both possibilities. Do they have some scenarios where they add? Do they have some scenarios where they trade the most marketable and popular superstar in the baseball world? I think both of those things are possible, and it's going to matter a lot how they play against the Jays coming up um, next weekend. It'll matter a lot how they play against the Pirates and Tigers in the meantime. They've got some very, very important games coming up, and, and the reality is if they if they win the next two series – against Pittsburgh and, and Detroit, uh, it very easily could come down to how they play against Toronto. It seems that may seem extreme to say that, that, that a decision of this magnitude will come down to how they play over one weekend at, at Rogers Center, but uh, the, the Angels are taking every last bit of information in that they can before making a choice that could define the franchise one way or the other for years to come. So, John, you, you mentioned how it could come down to these last few series, which I completely agree with, but the magnitude and scale of this trade, like, would they have already talked to teams to be like, hey, this is what you're willing to give up so that like, at the snap of a finger they can come up with a trade if they're out of it at that point? Like, it just seems like such a massive thing to figure out for such a huge player with like a couple days to spare like how what would the timeline be like on a trade like this no it's a really important question sam and i think that the the plan right now and what the angels are doing is is they are exactly doing that they are taking phone calls in taking information in working very diligently to know uh the top prospects in in the other organizations and and here's where i think there are there may come a time where the decision is straightforward or more straightforward than than we might think because the names of the prospects who would get this deal done are not necessarily obscure in other words as as much as Perry Manazzi and the the GM of the of the Angels and of course former Blue Jays executive you know Perry is a very diligent worker he knows prospects around the industry exceptionally well um he, he and alex anthopoulos are very similar in that regard and how they work but the the universe of prospects who will get this deal done is is relatively small and well known and by that i mean you're going to have to get multiple prospects that are in the top 100 of the industry to make this worth your while if you're the los angeles angels because you're not just giving up the, the the extraordinary talent of Shoei for the second half of the season, you're giving up all the revenues that come attached to him. You're giving up the possibility of him hitting 60 home runs or more in your uniform. That's a lot to give up. And so th- there are reasons to keep him that go beyond just trying to make the playoffs this year. And I I think that the the teams that are that are interested in Shoei and obviously that's the entire sport um, will need to not just not just say to Perry, hey, I know that you're a great scout. We've got a guy at, at high A who's had a really good emerging year. Okay, that, that player might be the third or fourth or fifth piece in the deal. But, but the first few had better be names that the industry knows or else it's just not going to be really worth the Angels' while to, to go down this road. 
Yeah, uh, Coke, not RC Cola situation uh, for whatever whatever the Angels uh, end up getting. Should they should they go through and, and make that trade? Uh, you know, switching gears to, well, this is, couldn't be a question about anyone, but it's more a question about the Blue Jays. Uh, one of the things that people have kind of turned their attention to with this team is the idea of a power bat. I mean, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Alejandro Kirk both hit one out of the park yesterday, and wow, look at that. They actually scored some runs. Now, obviously, you can manufacture it, but this team has really missed the pop in the middle of the lineup. Uh, four teams who are looking for that power bat who are some of the more available names and and uh, just how attainable are they right no it's it's a good question i interestingly one one team that i'm watching carefully right now is seattle and what direction they take things uh they just lost jared kelnick uh to a fracture in his in his leg because he kicked a, a, a gatorade cooler in the dugout which is not a great way to lose one of your best players. Uh, and, and so we have to watch what Seattle does. Do they basically say, okay, when one of your best players kicks a Gatorade can and, and breaks his foot, uh, maybe it's just not your year? Or do they go to the extreme other case and say, oh, we, we've got to make a run at this thing and, and make a bunch of moves? If they, if they are sort of a buy-and-sell type, type of an operation – there's, there's a player there in Seattle whose, whose name is Teoscar Hernandez, who you may, they may have heard of before. Uh, that, that, that's the kind of player I think that um, obviously the Jays know him. Uh, I, I think that he could in some situations be available. Uh, we heard Ross Atkins talk about maybe preferring to have a righty bat, uh, which is a little surprising based on the, their needs in recent years, but I, I can see why. Uh, he would say that, but Teoscar, as everybody knows, is a pending free agent and has a good track record of hitting the ball uh, pretty well at Rogers Center. So I would say that he is uh, the, the homecoming story for Teoscar, which would be kind of an interesting one, uh, I think w- is one of the possibilities out there. I think the, the Chicago White Sox have some guys they could move. I, I don't think the big-time guys are going to be moving necessarily uh, but I, I, one name that I, that comes back to me, and it's not a, not so much a power bat; it's more of a, a contact move, move the line bat. Is is Tim Anderson? If you can have him play second base, he, he don't look at his full season numbers; they're not very good. It's all about how he's playing right now, and he had a tremendous series just now in in New York against the Mets, and maybe he's starting to get things turned around. If he could play some second base. Uh, obviously, the Jays do not need him at shortstop, but he played second in, uh, for Team USA in the World Baseball Classic. So the the, the supply of bats, you know, Cody Bellinger, his name comes to mind. Obviously, he's another lefty that that uh, maybe is not from a left-right standpoint what they need, but I think from a power standpoint, he is. So I, I do think Bellinger is one name to watch carefully just because he is he is one of the best rental bats out there left, right. It almost doesn't matter. I think he, he could be a DH. He could play center field. He could do a lot of things for you. So I, I think Cody Bellinger is one more name to watch. Tim Anderson's an interesting one here, John, because I pull up his contract uh, situation and he has one more year of control after this one, which, you know, the, we know what this front office they is a big fan of that. love it. Do you think that's like, it's funny how it always sneaks up on me in baseball when it's guys like an absolute superstar, like can't miss guy. And then, you know, at the deadline, a team's struggling and they're, they're thinking about, is that a guy they'd actually consider moving? Tim Anderson? Yeah. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. The White Sox, I think Luis Robert is off limits. I think to an extent, Eloy Jimenez is as well, although there are probably some situations in which he would be moved. 
But I think everybody else among the position players is available. Uh, I really believe that. Uh, you know, maybe not Andrew Vaughn, but the the Jays don't need Andrew Vaughn. Um, pitching wise, I think Dylan Cease. Uh, I could go one way or the other on how available he is, but Lance Lynn definitely available. Lucas Giolito definitely available. Bullpen pieces there certainly available. So the, the White Sox are a good team to talk with right now. I think they've they've got some good supply of. Of, of players there that I think could could fill a lot of teams' needs and and again Anderson's full season numbers are are not good they are not but uh, I was watching him play yesterday uh, on, on television his his game against the Mets and and the inside out swing is back and he had a lot of line drives it, it, this is the ultimate small sample size time of year your your full season numbers are are good uh, if you know they're valuable context. But you got to see how you're playing right now, and and that was a very good series for Tim Anderson there in New York. Yeah, the White Sox are just such a crystal clear example of how quickly the worm can kind of turn in baseball, right? I mean, I think back to that Field yeah. of Dreams game against the Yankees. What was that two right. years ago? And it was just Kopech yeah. even coming out of the pen and Hendricks and Crochet and all the guys they had there, and obviously a lot of injuries. We know everything that happened with Hendricks, but yeah, it is just uh, it's a kind of picture perfect example of how quickly you can go from I mean World Series contender, quite honestly, to a team that's looking at, at selling off pieces. Uh, that leads us to the. Blue Jays. I'm not predicting their downfall anytime Whoa. soon. Not at all, but you got a team that is in a position now. How aggressive should they be? I know they will do something, but yesterday, uh, you know, a guy you know well, Jeff Blair, was on the station. He was very careful in choosing his words, but basically hinting that the Blue Jays might take a bigger swing than people are expecting here. How busy do you expect them to be, and how busy should they be? Well, they should be busy. Because this is their window, mm-hmm. and and my my first thing of of advice and and counsel to everybody is to take a look at the two teams that are that have their names at the bottom of the American League East right now. That would be Boston and New York. And typically, when Boston and New York are at the bottom, that's the Jays' chance. That's their window. So the the standings with respect to Boston and New York tell us that this is the Jays' chance, and their roster with Vlad and Bo tell us. This is their chance. They don't necessarily have as many of the brand name top 100 prospects. They do have some some better pitching that's emerged. I think it's sort of at double A and below. Um, you know, Davis Schneider's an interesting prospect to see where where he fits in. So there are some some players they can move. And in general, I look at this team and say, this is your opportunity. Look at how good, for example, Baltimore is. Baltimore is only going to get better in the next few years. They're, they're a scary team now. They might be even scarier next year. So my advice on the Jays is this is your opportunity to really seize the moment and, and make a push here. Uh, I, I do think that, that, yes, get a power bat. Yes, get a reliever. I don't know that they need a starter, depending on how they feel about Hunjin Ryu's chances to contribute. Manoa as well. Maybe they get a swingman type uh I'm a big fan of Michael Lorenzen right now uh, with the Tigers. He could be a starter. He could be a reliever for you. I, I think the Jays are they're poised to make a, a reasonably big move just because of where they're at competitively. And, and if you talk with the right team who would take on uh, or who would, who would be willing to maybe take a, a younger prospect at double-A and lower 
from a pitching perspective. Obviously, Tiedemann's had injuries this year, which which hurts from that perspective. But the Jays have, I think, the, the financial willingness to to do this, and and they're willing to to add payroll when appropriate. And I think their need for one more bat is is apparent, and then their need for one more reliever is apparent. But the good news is, they don't have to make a play for uh, for a, a top end starting pitcher. They've already got those guys, which is a, is a blessing to go through at this, this time of the year to know that you already have a couple aces in place in Berrios and in Gossman at the very least. And, and we know how solid Bassett has been for most of the year as well. So they've got a pretty good starting group. You think maybe depth starting, relief pitching, one more bat. But I, I think that the core of this team is fairly well established. And, and the most important thing is you see the Rays, they're struggling a bit right now. So then, then you start start to look at Baltimore as, as the one team that you're probably afraid of in your division. The Central, you're not really afraid of anybody. Out West, Texas is pretty good. But this, this is your opportunity, though. This is when Boston and New York struggle, you still have to time up your window to when they're down, and they're down right now. And, and that tells me it's go time for the Jays in their front office. Yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly going to be a busy couple of weeks here. Deadline uh, less than two weeks away. Uh, ten days or, yeah, I think ten days from now. Uh, John, thanks so much. Enjoy Cooperstown, and thanks for jumping on with us. Thanks, buddy. Yes, and by the way, let's, let's reflect on this for a moment. We got Cooperstown this weekend. The only franchise that can claim both Scott Rowland and Fred McGriff the Jays. Toronto Blue Jays. So, oh, yeah. yeah, big big time weekend for Jays history. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, both both Scott and Fred, I expect great speeches and, and a very, very emotional weekend here in Cooperstown. Love the, it, buddy. Enjoy. The, the crime dog. As good a nickname as uh, we'll ever get. Thank you so much. I uh, really, really appreciate that Thanks. from John. Thanks, guys. Thank you. There he goes. <sighs> I don't want to do it on his Hall of Fame weekend. Oh. Scott Rowland is. I know. All right. And baseball, Excellent. baseball Excellent usually, baseball, player. baseball usually doesn't do this. Don't get me wrong, for sure, really good. Don't, but is it the but. hall? Of, is it the hall of really good? And Scott the Rock at third base in in Toronto, man, awesome. Made me feel things about defense that I had never felt before. They had a great run of third base. Like Gloss was like, oh yeah, you know. But Donaldson, obviously, I just don't. Chappy, Chappy. it's a hot I, position. It is in franchise history, like. Career OPS of 855. Yeah. It's glove. It's glove. It's glove. It's glove. That's how many it. How many home runs do you think he hit? I, like, I mean, it's not some ungodly number, but is it, is it 279? Okay. Not terrible. 316. Austin. Okay. Austin oh, wow. That's pretty good. I, I, I wanted to get to 300, but I thought, no. Of all the, yeah, like, it's baseball glove. usually nails it. They really do. To the point where when they don't nail it, I'm... It's always on the other side of things. Like, it's Bonds, it's Clemens, yeah. it's all that stuff. Yeah, but, like, you're telling me. No, you're, I'm not. They are. Barry Bonds. <laughs> They're saying it. Not, not. <laughs> you're telling me. Get get a guy from the Hall of Fame committee on the phone. Jeff Blair? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we already did that. I feel like he'd agree, probably. <laughs> I don't know if he, I, I didn't see his vote. I didn't either. So I don't want to disparage Blair, him if he Blair thinks he's a Hall of Famer. Blair doesn't seem like a big tweet out his ballot guy. I just, not that he'd be ashamed of it, but I just feel like he could not be bothered with the exercise is how I feel about that. Like I saw, you know, I'm looking at when he started baseball. Scott Rowland started yeah. in 1996. I was probably been a big, I've probably been a big baseball fan since like 98, 2000. Like I saw 
a lot. I was there, man. No, I saw, like, yeah. guys getting into the Hall of Fame now, I've seen a lot of their career. And, like, I never was like, Scott Rowan is Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. So, I'm surprised by that one. That I, was, when it came out, that was one that I was legitimately floored by. I'm right there with you. It is a guy who always felt like a really good player, but I think it's so tough in baseball. And again, like he was not a wet noodle, far from it offensively, but I just think in, got, like in baseball, and it shouldn't be that way. It's half the game like it is in everything else, but it's really hard when you're there because of your glove. And, okay, so I have and something. shout out to Matt Chapman. I have some. Oh. kind of that dude. Yeah, he's kind of that dude. I mean, Scott Rowland, definitely a better hitter than Matt For Chapman. For sure. Uh, and that's my point. Like, so, a couple things from that Morosi interview. You just want to take your lap from yesterday? or My ears perked at the thought of Tim Anderson. Mm-hmm. But I Do guess the I was Simeon think- thing all over again. I guess I was thinking of like two years ago, Tim Anderson. Yeah. No, but John said, not don't, even, don't, not look, even two years ago, but don't look at this year. He said, just trust him. He saw it last year. He had a, he hit over 300 in 79 games the year before that. He hit over 300 and 123 in 2019. He hit 335 in 123 games. This is this that was when the White Sox were at the absolute peak of their powers. That whole team was loaded. He had uh, 109 strikeouts in 498 at bats. This is the exact type of addition that would change the Blue Jays for me. Like a guy, like a legitimate guy at a position of need. Mm -hmm. So you're not playing Kevin Biggio. I know you. What's your new left fielder? Yep. I know. Like, I'm not, no, 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 I'm not rehashing. No, no. I'm just yes. doing the math. Unfortunately, yes. You're giving up a little bit on defense with uh, Varsho, but. Two hit wit. Sorry, sorry, Varsho. You just, you can't make contact. And all wit does is hit. He's a hitter. You put him in the line. This is actually eerily. <laughs> he would win at Royal Liverpool because he's a hitter. This is eerily similar to the Whitmerfield trade. Like a guy yeah. that has had a ton of success. Yeah, Anderson probably more pedigree, I would think. Yeah, but, but like, I mean. Wit was a no, no. I don't want to. I don't want to undersell value. what he was. I just or what he is. I just think Anderson, kind of more premier position as opposed to second base, all that stuff. But yeah, to your point, very I, similar. Very similar. Just that's a guy that you could immediately put into your two hole. You could put him into your three hole. You could do whatever the heck you want with him. And I love that idea. You have an extra year of control. I don't think it would take all your finest meats and cheeses. Shout out Mike Willner to get him. <laughs> I really do love that idea. I don't know if it'll happen, but uh, shout out John Morosi for getting me a little bit horned up about Tim Anderson today. Well, and just the way it the way it feels is it gets you back to the feel, and I know it's a little bit of just plopping an all-star shortstop at second base, and that's what I'm doing, but it makes you feel like the team felt when Simeon was there. And yeah. I don't expect him to have the year Simeon had. There's a reason he got the bag he did afterwards, but... And you don't think Tim Anderson would be like, okay, I'll play second. Yeah, of course he would. Like, I get to leave Chicago where we absolutely rot, no future, to yeah. go to the Jays who are hot right now in a division... Um, in a division race. Yeah, very much so. In a wild card race. That win yesterday got Huge. the Jays three games clear of the final wild card spot. Yeah, that's big. Like three, like obviously it's still July here. So like I'm not getting way oh, too ahead of now myself. It's, now it's in the middle of summer when it's the baseball season. But when it's summer, you're sad because well, it's almost over. the weather's changing, okay. yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm trying to keep track of what's going on uh, We should you. probably break. But, probably should. Uh, it's just I'll us. Re- I'll read this from Adam and Guelph. Fall is here has to be the hottest take I've ever heard on this program. Thank you. It's 30 degrees and mid-July. Preach. Amazing comment, Sammy. Cool your jets. The grind for this week is all about to pay off. 
I'm work. I'm off work all next week and will be sitting at the dock at the cottage. Plus two rounds of cottage golf booked. Love me some fall golf at the cottage, buddy. What a week! Can I come, Adam and like, Guelph? I don't know, Adam, what how long your day is, but those out those hours are ticking off slow. 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 But that feeling. Oh. When you I get am, to the cottage, get those feet up. It's first been crack so, of a cold one. It has been so long for me since I've, honestly, I think it was at your, I feel like the last time I was at a cottage was, and this was not a necessarily relaxing cold one cottage at <laughs> uh, your bachelor the, party. It was not the most relaxing cottage. No, it was not. A lot, right. right, a lot of dice. A lot of hot dice by the pool. And a lot of hot Leafs talk coming up next from us. But how? They just named two assistants. Oh, we'll gin some takes out of this. I told you, I need to live in the take chamber at all times. I can't even miss one. Sam McKee and Brent Gunning. One hour left of the morning show. Two hours left of us today on Sportsnet 5 Night of the Fan.